and welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and I hope someday that I will get an earth. What is an earth? An earth is a plot of land. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So like maybe back when they had serfs, they might have been tending the earths. Mm, makes sense. Because, Spelling. Yeah, S-E-R-F and E-R-F, but who knows? Serfs were like slaves, kind of. Basically, that's yeah. true. It wasn't like necessarily good to be a serf for the earth. No. But you would not have serfs on your earth. No, heck no. Just dogs and cats and maybe some, um, I really like miniature do- donkeys. Oh, maybe some goats. <laughs> goats are cute. I, they're kind of cute. I like the feigning ones. That would yes. be cool to have. But, well, welcome to Addicted to Murder, as Kurt- Courtney said. And um, we do appreciate everyone who likes, listens, follows, makes suggestions, um, all of that good stuff. Any feedback is welcome. And if you don't know how to reach out to us, you can do so through our email, addictedtomurder at gmail.com. Addicted to murder podcast. Addicted to murder podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Um, our Instagram, which is our probably biggest platform, is addicted to M podcast. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, YouTube and Twitter. Oh my gosh, there's so many <laughs> at Addicted to M podcasts for all of those. So that's how you can, uh, you know, get a hold of us. Yes, thanks, Trisha. Thank you. And so I get the the lucky job of having our question for the day, where we get to know each other. <laughs> so I'm gonna go to a classic that I use a lot, especially when I'm meeting with um, new clients. Okay. So this question is, if you could have any superpower, what superpower would you want and why? Well, I always wanted to be like a vampire. I don't know if that's a superpower. Not because I wanted to drink blood, but because they can do so many kick-ass things. And they can basically kick-ass. So I would want to be like a kick-ass superpower. Being not afraid of anybody and being able to beat anybody up if I needed to. Only in the name of injustice. Of course. Yes. How about you? So I've clearly had a lot of time to think about this. Um, And I always go with mind control. Oh. Not in like a nefarious way, but in the way that I would make people do things that are good for them. Oh, okay. Right. So you're like a good conscience mind control. Right. It would be like... You know, one of my clients is having a rough day and their thoughts are like, should I go get wasted or should I use my coping skills? And I could be like, use your coping skills. You could use that on me if you had it. I would give you permission. Okay. So I need to use my coping skills more than my other means of letting things go. Yeah. And just think, if I had mind control, then I could potentially stop people from killing each other. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then we would have no more job. However, if they did kill someone, I would be there for injustice reasons. Exactly. So we could work well together. Yes. We could be a team. Yes. (laughs) Well, good question, Courtney. Um, Do you want to do an overview of part one of Bobby Hansen? Yes. So last week we learned all about Robert, a.k.a. Bob Hansen, and how he, you know, grew up in the Midwest and had terrible acne and a stutter and an overbearing father which made him incredibly shy um, and not very social 
And so as he grew up, he decided to get some revenge by burning down his high school's bus barn and got married twice, divorced once, married again, did some petty theft, Mm -hmm. and then eventually convinced his wife to move to Alaska where he started to get into some more trouble, Mm -hmm. including rape and kidnap. Yep. And remember the one rape um, of the sex worker was pretty much just dropped and swept under the rug. As they often are. Yeah. But the other one, um, for the secretary, he actually did get jail time for. Yes. Not very much. I think altogether he served like six months, something like that. Something like that. It wasn't very long. Yeah. Not for the type of crime he committed. And he had a couple different psychological assessments, um, that didn't really tell us a whole lot. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. So on November 3rd, 1976, Bob was arrested for shoplifting a chainsaw at a sporting goods store. Um, So Bob had found a box chainsaw with like an old sales receipt attached to it. So someone must have returned it and then the employee didn't remove the receipt and stuck it back on the shelf. So Bob figured, hey, nobody will notice. I'll just grab this. It looks like I bought it. And he walked out of the store unknowing that an employee had watched Bob do this whole thing and um, he was caught. So Bob's reason for stealing the chainsaw was this. This is a quote. I remembered about five weeks previous, my father and I had been cutting wood for our fireplace and his remarking three or four times how much he would like to have one to use when he and my mother go camping along the coast as they were living in Oregon at this time. Um, So Bob decided to steal a chainsaw to give to his folks at Christmas. Bob was examined again by the same psychiatrist in his um, during this time who deemed him well enough to be released several years early from that attempted theft or for this new attempted theft charge. But it was the same psychiatrist that assessed him for those rape and kidnapping charges in the past. So the new assessment by the psychiatrist of Bob was, quote, episodic stealing problem. His stealing is probably obsessive because Hansen has an inability to resist it and a feeling of being forced. Bob was then required to participate in therapy with a different psychiatrist who in 19 in the 1977 attested at this sentencing hear, hearing. <laughs> this is what that psychiatrist had to say to the judge. Okay, so this is a different psychiatrist at the sentencing hearing. Quote, Mr. Hansen has a bipolar affective disorder, which is a variant of a manic depressive disorder. The defendant does not have a low depressive area. In his behavior, speech is fast, ideas are not related, and attention span is not very long, end quote. So regarding Bob's impulse control issues, the psychiatrist had this to say about that, quote, poorly controlled during the mood and energy upswings of this disorder. So during this time, Bob was on Thorazine therapy. Thorazine is an antipsychotic. He was also on lithium, but the lithium takes longer to um, actually do anything, so they were having him on the Thorazine as well. His psychiatrist stated that if Bob was incarcerated, he would be controlled by the prison, but he would not be able to get his treatment of therapy and therefore could not continue with the Thorazine. This therapist also theorized that Bob's illness would improve in time and would not be long-term. As he aged, the impulses would cool off. Courtney, can you talk a little bit about bipolar disorder? Do you know if Thorazine is a typical treatment for that disorder? Yes, so bipolar disorder, which used to be called manic depression, 
is a mood disorder that's typically represented by like fluctuating episodes of major depression and mania or hypomania. Um, And, you know, there is a subset of bipolar in which a person only experiences manic episodes without the depression, um, which is what I believe the psychiatrist was referring to when he described a bipolar affective disorder. Um, Now, a manic episode is defined in the good old DSM um, as including the following symptoms. So a distinct period of abnormally and persistently elevated, expansive, or irritable mood, and abnormally increased goal-directed activity or energy, lasting at least one week. And during this time where mood is disturbed, at least three of the following have to also be present. So either inflated self-esteem and grandiosity, decreased need for sleep, being more talkative than usual, or having speech that feels like pressured, like they can't get it out fast enough, Um, kind of flight of ideas or racing thoughts, so their thoughts are bouncing around all over the place, being distractible, having an increase in that goal-directed activity, or what's called psychomotor agitation, so like pacing, um, like can't sit still, always has to be moving. Um, And then also excessive involvement in activities that have high potential for painful consequences. So that includes like risky sexual behaviors, drug use, spending sprees, etc. And then these symptoms must have a significant impact on a person's ability to function in society or it has to result in um, hospitalization for it to count as a manic episode. So... Obviously, I did not get a chance to observe or evaluate Bob myself, and I unfortunately was not privy to the assessments that the psychiatrist conducted because I could not find them anywhere, and I looked really hard. Um, Sealed. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There's no copies of them available online that I could find. Um, But based on what I've read about Bob Hansen, I'm kind of surprised that he'd be given this diagnosis. You know, a manic episode is not something that would just, like, show up in one part of his life. You know, parents, his wife, his co-workers, his friends, they would definitely notice if Bob was having a manic episode. And there's no indication, at least not with the information that I saw or read, that anybody in his life had concerns about his mood or his behaviors. Well, on the flip side of that, we haven't heard much about his depressive episodes that would go along with it, right? Well, remember, you can have bipolar without having any depressive episodes. So then it wouldn't just be polar? It's a little bit weird. Technically, the only criteria for bipolar is a manic episode. Okay. So I, Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought it was manic depressive. Most people have both, but not everybody. Okay. All right. Um, You know, But if we assume that these psychiatrists were competent and, you know, the bipolar diagnosis is accurate, um, you know, then at the time in the 70s, you know, Thorazine would have been, you know, a pretty common medication prescribed um, to treat it. It's not a drug that's used very much anymore um, because it can have some pretty nasty side effects that can be permanent, like tardive dyskinesia or like You see those commercials of sort of like uncontrolled movements and and things like that. Um, So newer antipsychotics and mood stabilizers, you know, are just more effective and don't have those bad side effects. 
You know, I think that the term antipsychotic is misleading because to me an antipsychotic is for someone who's having psychotic episodes, but we're describing someone with manic episodes. Are they interchangeable, the words? They're not interchangeable. So um, being in a manic episode does not necessarily mean that you have psychotic symptoms. However, you can have psychotic symptoms within a manic episode. Um, So depending on the severity of the mania... Mm-hmm. Um, that can be there, but ultimately they're both kind of like thought disorders. Okay. And so it's the, the thinking is part of it is what the Thorazine okay. treats. Um, and then you also mentioned that he was prescribed lithium, mm-hmm. um, which is still a pretty common, you know, treatment for bipolar disorder. Um, it's been found to be pretty effective, so it's often used a lot. Um, but it is Interesting um, that he was prescribed both together as, at least now, maybe it wasn't back then, um, they're contraindicated um, in that, um, you know, they can cause some potentially scary side effects when they're mixed together, like convulsions and confusion and seizures and things like that. The way that I read it was that he was using the Thorazine until the lithium kicked in. Um, so I don't know if that would have meant they would have tapered the Thorazine off. I'm not Probably, quite sure. I would assume so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it didn't go way in depth into it, mm-hmm. but. Right. And it's not a guarantee, like in the medication interactions, it's like a, like a moderate risk. Gotcha. So not everyone will have the bad interaction. Okay. But these days, if Thorazine was still used, it would probably not be used along with lithium. So that was the defense psychiatrist who kind of said, it can be managed. It probably won't last a long time. Blah, blah, blah. The prosecution psychiatrist had a different take on Bob's illness. He declared that Bob's condition was a long-term one and that he should always be under medical care of a psychiatrist or who knows what will happen. So, I mean, it's kind of frustrating when you have two different points of view based on what side of the table you're on. Right, absolutely. I mean, this judge is not a medical professional, so how does he or she know um, which is the proper assessment? So, and the judge in this case really did struggle with what should be done. It was a he. He knew that Bob was dangerous. He had the other convictions, and this, in fact, was his third time before a judge. He was sentenced to the maximum allowed for the crime of five years, and he was continued to see a psychiatrist, and he would receive medication. So I guess somehow the judge could decree he could get help in jail. Um, They seemed, as we said, they had different conclusions, the psychiatrists. Um, So anyhow, no wonder the guy kept getting off with a slap on the wrist before this conviction because they couldn't even get their assessments to say correctly what was wrong with him. And as we hear later on, he does kind of play these people. Right, right. Courtney, any thoughts on this five-year sentence? You know, from the mental health side of things, I definitely align more with the prosecution psychiatrist because bipolar disorder is a lifelong problem that generally does require ongoing treatment and supervision. So while there is some trend of kind of like the severity of mania getting less intense sort of with age it doesn't ever just like stop happening you know and so whether treatment is provided in jail or mandated and provided in the community it would need to continue long term you know and as for the jail term you know five years maybe sounds like a lot for theft but 
when you consider that his previous felonies included attempted kidnapping and rape, it doesn't really seem long enough. Mm-hmm. So, Bob appealed to the Supreme Court um, of this decision. So, listen to this. This is what the Supreme Court had to say regarding this judge's five-year decision sentence. This is a quote. Hansen's prior convictions were five and 15 years before the current offense. During that time, Hansen has otherwise conducted his life in a normal and respectable manner. He has maintained steady employment, has been a good provider for his family, and has earned the reputation of a hard worker and a respectable respectable member of the community. It is quite possible that the instant offense and the earlier convictions stemmed as much from psychological aberration as from a general criminal propensity. We agree that Hansen's prior record did compel some term of incarceration rather than straight probation. However, the particulars in this case, the clearly diagnosed mental illness, Hansen's amenability to treatment, the linkage of the mental illness to past antisocial behavior, the definite prescribed course of treatment to mitigate the possibility of future behavior, the stable home and work environment, and the factor that the monetary value of the property stolen was relatively low led us to conclude that the court below was clearly mistaken in imposing a five-year sentence. Hansen has already served a year in in prison. We believe his sentence should now be revised to provide for imprisonment for the period of time served, but that he be placed upon probation for the remainder of his term. So through all that, what I just basically said is they overturned the five-year conviction, gave him time served, which was one year, and the rest of his four years that are left are just going to be probation. Right, because he's such an upstanding guy. Right. So, I mean, it's a different instance of Harvey Kerrigan, but again, it's like they had this dude and they let him go. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you think, Courtney? I mean, clearly, you know, Bob and his legal team are trying to say that Bob only committed crimes and got in trouble during manic episodes that happen years apart and then just disappear, allowing him to be a good, upstanding citizen again. And it it just is not that simple. You know, without treatment, manic episodes can last for several weeks or months at a time before resolving. And typically, they don't have long breaks of 5 to 15 years between them. Um, Plus, having a mental health disorder does not excuse anyone from breaking the law. You know, plenty of people with bipolar disorder don't go around stealing and raping other people. True that. (laughs) Okay, so we are now jumping ahead to June 13th, 1983. So um, what was that like? About six years? Yeah, five, six years later. Don't know what Bob's doing at this time because he wasn't, uh, he was paroled and um, he hasn't come to law enforcement attention. So uh, let's be sure to note that for years previous to 1983, the city of Anchorage in Alaska was noticing more and more dancers and prostitutes going missing. And there had been some bodies of these women found in the Alaskan wilderness by hunters or other people who happened to be in the woods camping or doing whatever they're doing. Okay. Cindy Paulson, who also went by the street name of Kitty Larson, was a 17-year-old prostitute who agreed to perform fellatio on Bob Hansen for $200. When she got into the car, he pulled out a gun and they drove to his house. He took her down to the basement and cuffed her. He then raped her on his bearskin rug. 
Now remember, Bob is an avid hunter. His basement was full of animal skins and heads. He even had world records for some of his trophies. Anyhow, after he raped her, he shackled her up, wrapping a a chain around her neck four times, and promptly fell asleep. When he awoke, he gathered up Kitty, put her back in the car in the garage, and drove to his private plane. Now, Bob's pilot license had been refused by the FAA because of his mental health problems and the medications he was supposedly taking, but he somehow was able to fly his plane often anyways. Not really sure how he did that, but whatever. He told Kitty he was going to take her to his cabin in the woods and make love to her one last time. When they arrived at the airport, Kitty had an opportunity to jump out of the car while Bob was taking things out of the trunk. She was barefoot. And she was barefoot because she said that she left the shoes in the car on purpose to um, help with evidence later. And handcuffed. But she took off and ran. She heard Bob run after her and she saw he had a gun. Kitty kept running until she found a road and she jumped in front of a truck that was coming. The trucker picked her up and wanted to take her to the police station. I mean, she's barefoot, crying, and has handcuffs on her. Um, But she insisted that he take her to a nearby hotel. She then insisted to be let out because he was kind of like, no, let's go to the cops. Anyways, he let her out and she ran to the big timber motel where she called her pimp. Her pimp could not calm her down or remove the handcuffs. He left her at the hotel to go find the man that did this to her. She told him he was at the airport. The man who had given her the ride did go to the police department and reported the incident. When the officer arrived at the hotel, he found Kitty still hysterical and still in handcuffs. He removed the handcuffs and took her statement. Kitty and the officer went to the airfield where she was able to identify the plane that was Bob's. A private security guard at the airfield described the incident as he saw it. At 5.14 a.m., he saw a white male in a green cap and coat running from the woods to a green vehicle with Alaska plates BJZ-775. When he saw the guard, the man slowed to a walk, got into the car, and drove away. Both of these vehicles were found to belong to Robert Hansen, the plane, and the car. The officers went to Hansen's residence, and Kitty went to the hospital to do a rape exam. She was on her period, and they found sperm in her tampon. When brought in for questioning for raping a prostitute, Bob replied with, quote, You can't rape a prostitute, can you? <laughs> he then just denied any involvement and gave an alibi for his whereabouts the nights before. He gave names of two friends that would corroborate his story of where he had been. Hansen allowed a search of his car and property where the officers found a bunch of guns, but not much else. Um, When they showed a picture of Bob to Kitty, she positively identified him as her abductor and rapist. The two men that Bob had provided as an alibi confirmed that they were with Bob all night and into the morning. So now, it's Kitty's word against Bob and two upstanding members of the community. So yeah, we all know what's going to happen now, don't we? The police investigators then started to treat Kitty roughly at the station, accusing her of making up the story. The police who went to Hanson's residence never took pictures or seized anything. So firstly, I want to call out these assholes that lied to the police and gave Hanson an alibi. I feel like that is like contributing to a crime after the fact and they should have been punished. What kind of morals do these guys have? He was being investigated for rape and they gave him an alibi. Courtney, thoughts so far? Welcome to the good old boys club of the late 1980s and forever, Ugh. right? You know, no Kitty, offense, men, but what? come on, <laughs> like Kitty Larson was like a gift that was just dropped into the hands of police, and they just threw it away because it like wasn't wrapped up nicely enough. Mm-hmm. 
all of these men that she went to for help, risking her own freedom from admitting to doing sex work, they all failed her Mm -hmm. and made catching this creep way harder than it needed to be. I mean, what kind of police officers go to a potential crime scene and don't even bother to take pictures or collect any evidence? And The one at BTK did that too, remember? I do remember. Sorry, go ahead. And nobody, at least not at first, bothered to check into Bob's history to see that he had previous rape charges. They just took him as his word. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that he, um, he, these two friends that provided an alibi had previously provided alibis, um, at least for his wife, mm-hmm. when he had actually oh. been with sex workers. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kitty seems like a pretty smart gal. She left her shoes in there, or as she probably called them sneakers, um, <laughs> to, you know, leave evidence. She was able to get, um, you know, the make of the plane. She remembered the, I don't know. Yeah, she remembered a lot of the details. Yeah. She intentionally kept her tampon in. She did. In. She said she kept her tampon in on purpose in case there's any evidence that they could get from being raped. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, okay. So, let's go. Here we are. Bodies had been showing up on the Kanik River. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. K-N-I-K. I think you are. Okay. With somewhat regularity, the Kitty Larson case was pretty much swept under the rug by the Anchorage PD, but a trooper um, did get assigned to it. So it kind of got passed from, I guess, city to state. Right, to the state police. Yeah. And this particular trooper was also working on another case of a murdered woman found on the Kanik River the year prior in September of 83. Um so this woman was buried in a shallow grave, and the only evidence really was a 223 shell casing found nearby. After the autopsy, the state troopers were now convinced that they had a serial killer on their hands. Um, because, okay, I think I screwed up what I just said. There were two bodies past, uh, found in the past couple years on the Kinnick River, and um, other bodies found from earlier. So they're putting them together as they're all from the same person because they all had like the same kind of wounds. And um, this trooper starts to think that Kitty might have been part of that had she been killed. Okay. Had she gotten on that plane. Right. Okay. So sorry if I just confused that there. Sometimes I can't make out my own story. So um, basically the serial killer would take out these women to the wilderness and then shoot them with a high caliber rifle. But the troopers needed help. They were kind of like at a dead end. So the lead investigator of this case was named Glenn Flowley. And Flowley contacted the FBI for a profile. And guess who he got? JD. John Douglas. Woohoo. Yep. So that's the guy that we've uh, run into a lot with these cases. He uh, is from the show and the book Mindhunter. Um, he interviewed and helped catch so many serial killers and helped to develop the behavioral unit in the Bureau of Investigation. He profiled the, this particular perpetrator. Um, this is a quote. The man you want probably stutters. It's likely um, an excellent hunter. His wife is probably religious and not totally aware of her husband's activities. He's known as a good provider and hardworking businessman. He's successful, or at least we wouldn't be surprised if he is. They also suspected he would keep a murder kit with disguises. He also would hide trophies near where he lives. Quote, if he's really into it, the killings are all he thinks about 24 hours a day. 
Everything else is just motion to him. His work, his normal routine are just motion. Everything is wrapped up with murder. His whole life, his whole thinking. He probably plans his kills far in advance. Okay, so we've seen some of these profiles um, not match up, but this one seems pretty freaking spot on. Very, (laughs) very spot on. Like, how do they do this? Like, how do they figure... um, It's fascinating to me, these profilers. They've got some sort of algorithm of some kind. Yeah, and probably super strong intuition as well. Yes. Yeah. So by this time, Flouthy had been meeting with Kitty as he was convinced that she was attacked by the person who had killed these other women. He believed her when she said it was Bob Hansen who had done it. But now he was having a hard time getting a search warrant for Bob's house. He really wanted a thorough sweep of his property, not just the the perusing the police did that first time where they took nothing and took no pictures. He had Bob under 24-hour surveillance, but as of yet, that was all he could do. Okay, so if you research this case... Um, on the red tape side, it gets very tedious. I don't want to like bore you guys more than I might be doing. So basically, Flowley was able to find evidence or witnesses to testify that Hansen had committed insurance fraud. Um, and that so the insurance fraud was he told the insurance agents that like a bunch of his trophies had been stolen and his hunting trophies, his hunting trophies and he got like 63 grand or something. Um, but then they were, you know, back in his house because. He really hadn't had them stolen. So anyways, um, he had. there were witnesses saying he had committed insurance fraud and that he also flew his plane to secluded communities and stole from houses. So this coupled with his FBA, FBI profile, Kitty's eyewitness account, um, he took all this, Flopley took all this to the Anchorage DA to get a search warrant. They weren't very helpful. So then he threatened to get a DA a search warrant from a DA in Fairbanks, Alaska. Eventually... All of this jurisdiction stuff and bureaucratic stuff is, you know, confusing, but suffice to say he did get a search warrant, though it took months, um, and was able to search Hansen's home and vehicles. The team searched for 14 hours before they found something hidden in the insulation of the attic. They found an aviation map with marks on it, jewelry, newspaper clippings, several guns, including the Caliber Mini-14, which was what they thought the murder weapon. So... When presented with all that they found, Hansen denied everything. Eventually, however, he confessed. He admitted, he admitted to attacking women as early as 1971. Many of them were not prostitutes, but then some of them were. He, was a, he didn't, he didn't um, confess to murder at this point, just attacking women. Okay, He was arrested for assault, weapons offenses, kidnapping, theft, and insurance fraud. So when ballistics finally confirmed the shells found the shells found near some of the bodies of the victims came back to match his firearm, he then confessed to four homicides as well. He plea bargained to serve time in federal prison and to have no press or publicity, which maybe Courtney is why you can't find any of his stuff. It's possible. It might be part of the plea, plea bargain. So in return, he would help the police find more of his victims. He helped the investigators find 17 grave sites. Many of them were unknown victims. There were many more marks on his map that he would not elaborate on. He was ultimately sentenced to 461 years with no possibility of parole. Hansen died at age 75 in Alaska Regional Regional Hospital in Anchorage from natural causes. He had been transferred there to treat his ailments, not that he got out or anything. Courtney, what are your thoughts on Bob? He did admit that he lied to psychiatrists and may have been making up some of his issues 
um, or elaborating conditions to get a lighter sentence. Do you have a final diagnosis on him? I, you know, think that Bob Hansen is nothing more than a criminal with antisocial personality disorder. He steals, he lies, he manipulates, he sets fires. He has no remorse or regard for human life or suffering. He wasn't particularly brilliant. You know, I don't believe he was as seriously mentally ill as he maybe pretended to be. I mean, he talked about how he thought of women being in two categories. You know, good women like his wife who are clean and church-going and take care of their family. And bad women who are dirty and engage in lewd sex acts like sex workers. And he believed that these, you know, quote, bad women deserve to die. And that's how he justified killing them. He was just a man who liked to abuse and kill women like all the other men who liked to do the same. We're not looking at any sort of personality disorder. We're not looking at any sort of, besides maybe antisocial, we're not looking at any sort of mood disorder. Like all of this stuff, either he made it up or he didn't quite meet criteria. We're looking at just an asshole with no conscience. That is my interpretation. Mm -hmm. Again, obviously, you know, these psychiatrists saw something. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to rule out the fact that maybe he was bipolar or maybe he did have a mood disorder. um, Bad mood disorder. Right. And, you know, the criteria for things back in the 1970s was different as well. They were using the DSM-3 and now we're on the DSM-5. So, Mm -hmm. um, Who knows what the diagnosis would have been if we're using the criteria that we have today. Okay, gotcha. Well, that's the end of Bobby Hansen. Yep. I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed with his story. What? Why? Because? So, because to me, the, like, his MO of taking women and releasing them in the woods and basically hunting them... Mm -hmm is really interesting to me. It seems really unique. Um, And then Bob just seems so normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like his his life was not as, I don't know, interesting. It didn't match the level of interest that I had about his his crimes. So it was a letdown. A little bit. Okay, well, you're not the first person he's let down. So (laughs) Very true. (laughs) At least he's got that going. Well, um, so I'm picking our next case, and it actually is a suggestion from one of our Belgium listeners, and it was someone I had never heard of before, and um, this person who reached out to us, you know, did make the valid point that a lot of us podcasters in America focus on American serial killers. Um, I have started to research this case, and it's very disturbing, um... Yeah, it involves children. So, right. So, I guess listeners be warned. Yeah. I mean, we don't ever get too graphic, but even just the fact that it involves children is just super sad. It always is. Yeah. So, anyways, do you think Bob Hansen was addicted to murder? I think he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many he killed. That might never, that's not going to ever be known now. He's dead. Right. At least 17. At least 17. But there was all those X's on there, so. Right. 
Okay, well, thanks for listening. Tell a friend, um, like, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Anything else you want to say, Courtney? No, I think that about covers it. Okay, see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.